You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, you know I appreciate you very, very, very much. I've got an exciting episode for you today. I really enjoyed talking to my dude Thomas. This was an enlightening chat, to say the least. He's had a lot of really cool experiences, and he has uh, some really cool tales to tell. So we'll get into that in just a minute. Before we do that, I just want to give a big, huge, fat thank you to everyone who have been using the ToneMob.com slash Sweetwater links for their gear purchases, as well as the ToneMob.com slash Reverb link, and for your string needs, the ToneMob.com slash StringJoy, and you can find all those in the show notes. So, yeah, that really, really helps a lot, and if it's stuff you're going to buy anyway, you know... A little bit can come back and help support this programming. So yeah, big shout out to everybody who's been getting involved in that. I really appreciate it. Uh, One more thing. I have not asked for this in quite a while, but wherever you're listening to this, if you could throw us a review, if you enjoy this show and you'd like other people to see what you think about it, throwing a review can be extremely helpful, especially on some of the platforms where we don't really have much activity. Pretty much, according to the stats, almost everyone listens via Spotify or Apple. Uh, But there are a handful of other services sprinkled in there. So if you could pop up a review on the platform of your choice, that would be extremely helpful. Very, very, very extremely helpful. Let's see. In other news. Oh, yes, this is going to be fun. So after this episode drops, this is going to drop on Monday, the... 19th. Let me check my calendar. Yes, Monday the 19th is when this comes out. And just a few days later, yours truly will be flying over to Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. And if you're a pedal nerd, you probably know why I'm doing that. Yes, I am headed to the JHS World Headquarters and I'm going to be hanging out with Josh and the gang for a live stream on Wednesday. So, Make sure and just clear your schedule for Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time and come join myself and Josh Scott and the rest of the JHS crew for a Wednesday live stream. We're going to be giving away some stuff. I am bringing some rare Tone Mob stuff to give away. And yeah, it might be fuzzy stuff. So make sure you're hanging out with me. That'll be a really fun time. Me. I mean us. It's going to be a good time, and I'm really looking forward to it, and I think you will enjoy it too. Oh yeah, I should probably mention, if you're not familiar, that will be over on the JHS Pedals YouTube channel, which you should definitely already be subscribed to if you like this podcast. Let's see. In other news, I think that's it. Oh yes, I was recently on the 40 Watt podcast, so if you want to hear a little bit more detail about my latest record that you've heard me talk about a whole bunch... You can hear me go into a little more detail on the creation of that and talk about barbecue with my dude, Philip. And you can check that out wherever you're listening to this at the 40 Watt Podcast. So that is enough of an intro for now. Let's get into this episode with my dude, Thomas, from Cream Tea Pickups. Let's do it. (music) 
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, once in a while, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Wyland, and with me today, I have Thomas Nilsson of Cream Tea Pickups. What's going on, man? Well, a lot of stuff, even during these crazy times with the pandemic and everything, but we are getting there. It's amazing how busy it can be when everything is supposed to be shut down. I mean, it is shut down, but still, we managed to keep ourselves drowning in projects somehow. Yeah. But the problem now is uh, getting the raw material. Everyone is struggling now. Uh, guitar manufacturing, pedal makers, and everyone, all even in the tech industry with cars and uh, computers and everything, is the manufacturing of getting raw parts is very, very hard to get now. It is. It is. A lot of my friends have been talking about just that. And uh, I was a little bit surprised because I expected that problem to hit earlier, if that makes mm. any sense. Yeah. Um, but but then when I really got to looking at it and talking with people, it's like, oh, no, this is right on schedule, you know, because when everything first locked down, like all those raw material manufacturers, those, you know, chip providers, all that stuff, they they stopped making stuff. But we were still buying up inventory from suppliers because the suppliers still had some stuff. And so we bought up all of that. And then the raw material places came back online, but they had to refill all of those suppliers because the suppliers were completely wiped out. And now that's finally trickling down to us, the end, the end users and the manufacturers themselves. It's really crazy. Yeah, but we are still going strong in the production and we are still making a lot of stuff. So I think we are actually during these horrendous times, uh, we are actually managed to get through it in some way. Uh, we have solved a lot of uh, problems problems that we have done. We are taking care of a lot of stuff. We have been ahead of the game very early and we thought about what would be happening down the road. But I'm so glad when we come to a point where everyone can chill down relax and talk about something else regarding not something else about <laughs> things in life than the pandemic and the covid i just hope we can get there at some point but it's looking good we're getting there soon yeah we are we are it's it's trending in the right direction and uh you know at the very least we're figuring out you know how to manage it in the beginning it was like is this the Black Plague? Are we all going to die? Like, what's going on? There were so much, you know, so many questions. And at the very least, now we have some steps to take that are pretty, you know, obvious and pretty clear. And I think that's helpful for a lot of people's mental state as well. It's like, yes, you can go for a walk by yourself and it'll be fine. <laughs> like, don't worry about it. It's not floating around in the trees or whatever. So that's a that's a good thing. So enough of that uh, pandemic talk like you talk, talked about. That's that's We don't want to talk about that anymore. You have a lot of cool things to talk about. You've had a vast array of experiences, I can tell just from the, the short conversation we had before we started a recording. But why don't you take us from, you know, square one, when you started picking up guitar and how that led to you scanning the Pearly Gates pickups and all of these other crazy things that you've been able to do. How did you start playing guitar? Okay, uh, we are talking about doing a long story short here. We are talking about two decades in 15 seconds. Uh, how shall we do that? You can, uh, do, you can do two decades in 15 minutes. That's okay. We got time. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, uh, in the beginning of the 70s, when I was born, I have a father who still play, but he was a professional guitar player 15 years before I uh, was born. So when I was born, I had all vintage guitars surrounded by me. I had stacks of turntable records, uh, LPs, vinyls back in the days. And my uh, dad, he was he had a big range of music taste, and he was listening to a lot of different stuff. And um, so when I started to get a grip around <laughs> the circumstances around me, and I get a grip and uh, recognize what I'm surrounded by. Uh, I was gr I grew up with uh, Fleetwood Mac with Peter Green, uh, Sonhouse, Lightning Hopkins, Jimmy Reed, uh, Cream, early CC Top, Moving Sidewalks, and 
I, I, I was actually, when I went in, into the school, when I was a kid, I was listening to this stuff. Uh, the T-Birds with Jimmy Vaughan, the early recordings of that. Uh, while my schoolmates, they were listening to Abba and Bonnie M and all that stuff. And uh, and my dad, he was a, he subscribed to guitar player uh, from the 70s. He worked in the uh, music industry as well, uh, with distributional musical instruments back in Norway. So I had guitars, and it was music and guitars all all around me from when I started to walk, actually. And uh, I remember my my dad, he didn't dare to give me a vintage guitar, of course, to a seven-year-old. So I get this crappy Italian <laughs> electric guitar instead. <laughs> but 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 but, but it, that, that was fine. It was very hard to play, I remember. But then again, I, I learned it a hard way. Uh, and I I remember I was starting reading when I was seven, eight or seven or eight years old. I was starting to read guitar player. I asked my dad about these English words, and I, I get a grip of it. And I remember when uh, the Blues Brothers movie came out uh, because my dad had a VHS player, uh, and he taped and recorded all the music documentaries that were airing on Swedish TV. I remember that, and I was watching these documentaries about the blues and the music history in black and white, even before we get a color TV. Uh, we didn't get a color TV until... 79 i think we were late so um, and i started to get a grip of the english word and understand the english words and stuff pretty early and i started reading guitar player everyone else were looking at children tvs and cartoon when they were home from school i just dig down in the last issue of guitar player and was reading that instead <laughs> So uh, from that, it just went along until uh, I quit school. I was old enough to uh, work, and I uh, started to work as a guitar shop in Oslo doing uh, some guitar repair and stuff. And uh, we had this German guy in the second floor who made uh, some pickups for acoustic instruments, violins and balalaikas and all that stuff. And from that guy, I learned how to make these acoustic pickups for acoustic instruments. And then a couple of years after that, I quit doing that because the pay and the paycheck wasn't that good. And we had this uh, internet boom, the dot-com bubble, as everyone is talking about, like the pandemic now. And I were doing some educational change, but and it come to a point where I started a new band uh, in the late 90s. Uh, I think it was 2099 or 2001. And I was ordering some custom shop made guitars. Uh, and these, they sounded horrible. It was, what happened? <laughs> what, ha what have happened? So I, I took out my old guitar luther tools and in the basement of the house and I've just told myself, I to be honest, I love the guitar. The guitar is so nice to play, but the pickups and the sound of the guitar were so horrible. I even plugged it in an old original 1965 Fender Twin, and it did, didn't sound good even through that one. So, um, so that, that's why I started to take it in my own matter to see if I can make the pickups sound better. Uh, so I did that, and actually, they to. It's, they sound really great, and one thing is what I'm thinking, but I need some professional opinion if these pickups are good. So I went back to my references with all the Peter Green uh, cream sound, the moving sidewalk, the early CC Top sound with the Pearly Gate, if you know what I mean, all that golden era guitar tone. I just wanted that tone in my guitars as well. So, um, yeah, and I uh, just from there, I made some pickups that I think sound great. And uh, I heard uh, a friend of mine told me that CC Top were visiting Oslo for a gig. Uh, and I thought that would be a great opportunity to reach out to my friend Elwood Francis. Um, uh, I haven't talked to him that much, but I called uh, the management and uh, asked for Elwood because I know who Elwood Francis was after all these years. I've been reading Guitar Player when he was Guitar Tech for DIY. Uh, back in the 80s and stuff, so I knew about Elwood. So uh, I thought, okay, I know Elwood is the guitar tech for Billy, and uh, these people are the right guys to reach out to to get some kind of feedback. So um, I just jumped on the high saddle and uh, called him and told him, I'm just a nobody in the woods of Norway. 
I think I made some cool sounding pickups. I, are you interested to check them out? I need to know if you think they are sounding <laughs> good enough uh, the same way that I think they sound. And he said, sure, come down, blah, blah, blah. So I brought my uh, Les Paul custom shop where uh, I put my pickups in and uh, and rest is history. It was just mind-blowing. I, I just went down there for these people to try them out and give me some feedback. I had no intention and I had no... If someone told me that day, hey, you will work with Billy closely for three decades after this day, I would tell that guy, are you drunk? I would... <laughs> if you know what I mean. So... But it went re really well. Uh, Billy tried my the pickups backstage after the gig, and he just turned around and said, "Hey, man, I want five sets of this. These sounds brilliant. I want five sets." And then we changed contact info, and the rest is story. We are now me and Billy have worked together very closely for we are entering the third decade now. So yeah. And through that, did you like? Did you have formulas already established? Or was this just really like, I think this is how it should be, and it sounds good to my ear. Let's see what Billy Gibbons thinks. Is that really uh, as simple as it was? Yeah, it was somehow because I know regarding how a pickup is made on the electric guitar, it's a difference between electric pick, a passive pickup on an electric guitar compared to an acoustic pickup, of course. But um, I know how the signal travels. It's like the speaker cables. It's like uh, how a signal travels through the wire from point A to point B. On, in general matter, it depends how that signal travels. And if that signal travels in different path or a different way, then you will have some different frequency in the frequency range. So I knew that. And so that's why when I wind my pickups, I I had a specific winding pattern to create some tone in my head that sound great, if you know what I mean. So I started mm -hmm. with winding pattern. And uh, after Billy won five sets, we were talking a lot about, because Billy is very into details. He asked me a lot of stuff. Why do your pickups sound so great? And I told him about the winding pattern, blah, blah. And then he started to think more about it. And so... <sighs> When I started to work that close with Billy, because he's so dedicated to the details in creation and design and the product itself, he's very dedicated to the to all the details. And um, I actually told Billy uh, that I don't know if he, he know that at that time, but when a, a guy like Billy Gibbons or someone else are going on a world tour. You're playing outside, you're playing in, indoor, you're playing arena, you're playing in different countries with different temperature, if you know what I mean. It's, it's, mm -hmm. You have this different temperature all, all the time. And I told Billy, are you actually aware that if you're playing in San Antonio in the middle of summer in really hot weather, and or if you're playing indoor where you have this lightning spot, Lie, uh, on your guitar if the temperature are five degrees higher the pickup will be hotter the output of the uh, pickup will increase drama drastically and if you're in a place where it's a bit cold or chill the output will decrease increasingly he didn't know that and i told him and i showed him how why i just took my hand around a pickup and I showed him how, how the reading changes. And he said, hey, Thomas, let's go into this shop and let's buy us some hair dryers amounted to the guitar so we can blow hot on the pickup so we get, <laughs> get the pickups out. <laughs> so, but it, it, this is just an example where we talk about a lot of stuff. And when he introduced me to Keith Fisher, when he introduced me to Jeff Beck, he introduced me to all these other artists down the road. This long road with Billy has opened other doors and he has introduced me to a lot of artists as well where they have their specification on what kind of tone and sound they're like and I remember the last one were Lenny Kravitz and Craig Ross that I worked with and I still do um, they wanted a specific thing so I went so I have winding patterns for the pickups I did for Ronnie Wood. I have specific winding pattern for the pickup I did for Keith Richard. I have a specific winding pattern for Steve Miller, Jeff Beck, 
uh, Lenny Kravitz, Craig Ross, and Billy, uh, etc. So after all these years, I created, I think, about 17 or 1,800 different winding patterns. That's really interesting. About I want to go back. I, I want to talk about that winding pattern, but I want to go back to the uh, the temperature on the pickup. So I know that I think pretty much everybody that listens to this show knows that germanium transistors change drastically with temperature. That's pretty common knowledge, I think, these days, as far as like buzz pedals and stuff. But I would have thought in my brain that it would have been backwards from what you said. You know, I'm just a layperson, so take this with a with a grain of salt, I would have assumed like, so in reference to like superconductors, like they usually cool the wire like significantly to make the conductivity more efficient. I think I'm using that word correctly. Whereas you're saying you heat the pickup up and then the output actually increases. Does that have to do with the magnets or why is that? Or do you know? It's a it's a combination factor. You have the mag- magnet as well because it is you have a magnetic field around the pickup. Uh, but I, I actually tested with some uh, hamburger coils without being assembled with a magnet. You just have the coil itself, the plastic bobbin on the table, mm-hmm. and if you heat that up, it actually in- increases. But it's, it don't increase that much, but it still increases. And uh, that is, has something to do with uh, the copper wire. Hmm. It is nothing. To, it's, it's the copper itself, the material copper, copper that, that do, does it. Okay. Okay. That's very interesting. Uh, all these things matter. You never, you know, you hear tales about things and sometimes it sounds like, like nonsense. But it's interesting that you've done the tests and, and seen it happen in real time. That's not something... I feel like I'm fairly detail oriented and that's not something that I've ever thought about. So that's, that's very cool. Yeah. I, I talked to people and they, they thought it was the whole rig, the amp or some batteries or something in the rig, because when they're playing uh, outdoor, indoor, they, what, what's happening with my guitar sound is dropping down. I mean, I, I have to turn at one place. He turned the amp up five, if you know what I mean. And when they go to the next place, they have to turn it down because it varies so much regarding the temperature change and I talk I mentioned this for Craig Rose and Lenny Kravitz and all these people afterwards and oh, oh and I actually show them it's enough to take your hand on the top of the pickup just put your hand on the top of the pickup and measure it it will take you 10 seconds and it will go up about 0.5k the more you know everybody look for dropping knowledge on this show it's not always just talking about food and fuzz pedals. We also sometimes provide valuable information as well. So that's cool. That's very cool. So we're, I want to go back to the winding patterns now. As much as you can talk about it, I'm sure some of this is proprietary. You don't just want it out there for everything. But we know there's thousands of turns of wire on a given pickup. So with these patterns, is it generally, you know, you go five passes and it it's one way and then five passes another way, or does it vary over several hundred passes generally? Is there kind of a, a set way you do it or is it different for every single pickup? It's different for every single pickup. Um, uh, <clears throat> that, that is why I also have this scanner built because well, when I scan the pickups, I record and I scan the whole frequency range from 170 Hertz up to 95,000 Hertz. And I, I get the frequency peak of the pickup. Each and every pickup has a different frequency peak. And in that range, uh, when you have the frequency peak, it, that will give me the frequency range because you have different des- number, of, uh, the value of the decibel per frequency as well. And that is telling me how the signal is flowing through a coil. If you have a coil with 5,400, let's just take an example of a hamburger coil. Uh, with 5,400 turns. Um, the, the thing is, you can. I have a different start uh, where, where I'm doing about 220 turns uh, one way. And then I stop and I have about 62 turns on the left side, for instance, and I have 120 in the middle and I go to the right and I have probably 62 on that side. And then I go back and forward to fill 
fill it and even out the wire and then I start over and I will repeat that a couple of times and then I will change it backwards and so I do the winding pattern the opposite way like I started with and uh, so that is just an example of how tidy and detailed the winding pattern is so after when you have winded with 1700 different winding pattern and you have probably done about 22,000 different pickups with the same wire with the same magnet and stuff then you know certain way of doing it so it's it's just tidy work and you just have to learn spend three four five years to learn how to do these different winding patterns to get that specific tone it's very interesting to me that the the actual way that it's wound with the given the same materials the same everything the actual amount of wire in one spot on the bobbin versus another will change it that much. But I guess it kind of makes sense because you hear about all these old PAF pickups and things like that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I understand it is back in the day, they didn't really pay much attention to it. They just kind of, they call it scatter wound. I think they just kind of threw it on there and generally kind of guided it along until it was about done. And then they cut it off and called it a day. Is that, is that yeah, accurate? Yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. They didn't pay attention. And it's like, accidents make great great things at some point it's the same uh, same thing here as well because most of the old winding machines as well they have this uh, old winding machine at uh, Gibson factory and Fender factory as well but these old winding machines they have to calibrate it calibrate these machines each and every day after use because the, the me- mechanism on the winding machine where not built for this uh, particular use, so they had to calibrate it all the time. And that uh, what what happened is they made different pickups with different output. None of the original fifty. I have scanned and I have scanned a lot of fifty nines lately, uh, and there's no fifty nine uh, PAF original fifty nine that has the exact same output. None. I have I have done about. 11, 12 now, and none of them are having the same output. It's different all the time. This is reminding me a lot of the guitar string world, which is something I'm really familiar with. I'm involved with String Joy Guitar Strings in Nashville, and Scott's one of my really good friends, and we work very closely together. And that's a question we get a lot is, you know, you're using the same materials on very similar machines, how come yours are different? And it's mm. just like you say, it's it's the way it's constructed. It's what you choose to use where and when and you know how much tension you put on it. And there's so many factors that go into what seems to be a relatively simple process that totally mm. changes the game. And it's it sounds very similar with strings and pickups where, sure, it's winding wire around another thing, but the way you do that has such a drastic impact that uh, it's all the little details that really make a difference in this stuff. It's kind of insane. Yeah, and we put all these factors and all these details in one pile. The summa summarum we get out of that will be different depending on what you mix into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. And it's, and you know, that's why people are like, oh man, all of the stuff from back in the day is so much better than anything that's done now. And it's like, I don't know, man. I've played some old Les Pauls that weren't very good, <laughs> you know, like, and I've played some that were magical. It, not everything from that era isn't just automatically better because, like you said, it varied so much. Yeah. But, like you have to try the whiskey bucker, the Billy F. Given whiskey bucker pickups. I will, I will arrange for a box of whiskey bucker coming your way really soon. We can take that later, but you have to try this out. It's, uh, but it's like what I told Billy uh, as well, and all these artists that I meet down the road, they are ask me, okay, what are, why are your pickups so different? Uh, it's, it's not about that. I'm not. I'm not doing rocket science again. If I mean, it's not about inventing the wheel again. It has nothing to do. But my my thing is to take what Leo Fender, Seth Lover, Les Paul, what they started, and take that further. Just continue their path, if you know what I mean, to develop and and make it, if you know. 
that is my whole thing. I will take what they started and take it further down the road. It's not about change stuff, but it's just to add more into the mix to make them sound like that. Mm -hmm. Take the kind of take the best of what they did and figure out how to replicate it so that more people can experience it. Yeah, and and add some something more into the mix as well to 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 keep it grow a, a bit more as well. When you said that, I looked over at my my old trusty Les Paul, the one that I've had since I first started playing electric guitar, and I've never changed the pickups in it uh, because I li kind of liked some aspects about them. They're a little bit snarly. They're a little hotter than what I would normally go for these days. But as soon as you said that, I looked over there and uh, I think it might be time to swap those out <laughs> in my brain. I was like, okay, I see the we guitar. Will make that that. Going. <laughs> yeah. You will have a new experience, and that, that is what this is all about. Uh, it's like when uh, I met Craig Ross and Lenny Kravitz. Actually, Lenny Kravitz came out to me and she said, oh, my God, thank you. I love your pickups. They are on my blacklist, Paul. Now I just love them. And I talked to a friend of mine who knows Lenny Kravitz as well, and he's, I told him what Lenny told me and Craig Ross told me. And he said, that is weird because they have the best vintage guitars. They have the best rig. They have the best cables. They have the, if you know what I mean, everything is the vintage, the real deal. And they have the best guitar sound. And if, so, so, and Craig Ross asked me, what are you doing? I haven't heard, I, I, he couldn't believe his list Paul would sound that good, if you know what I mean. And he didn't know how important we good sounding pickups were until he tried my one out. But it's like, I, I, I really appreciate that kind of feedback, but it's like people have different tastes and stuff, and there's great pickup manufacturing people out there. Uh, I, I, I know that uh, all my competitors are making great sounding pickups. Uh, I'm not here to dislike them or say anything bad about my competitors, and, and they, they make their pickups in their way. I have my way of doing it. And uh, if people want to experience new stuff, please try out uh, this stuff. And uh, you, you will also have experience. It's very hard for me to tell you, these pickups will sound great for you. This will sound like this because people ask me all the time, oh, how do you, oh, what does your pickup sound like? I, I, I can't say anything about it. You have to try them out and see for yourself. That is That, that is all about. That is, uh, I mean, that's the story of everything, right? Because there's some things that work really well for certain players. There are mm. some some guitars that I've heard people just make them scream, and I put my hands on it, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do anything with this. You know, <laughs> it's just like it's not, it doesn't work for me. And you know, that's what's so magical about the guitar. I actually had a pedal builder on here. He's a dude out of Nashville. Uh, his pedal company is called A Wall Pedals, and he put it really nicely and i think i think what he said is really true the electric guitar is the most expressive instrument outside of the human voice and mm -hmm. i was like thinking about that for a minute i'm like well there's other stringed instruments that you put your hands on and really you know communicate through but the variety of sounds with the electric guitar is kind of unmatched like you can make it sound like anything mm. almost so it's pretty incredible. I, I don't know. I'm very passionate about the electric guitar. I mean, here we are nerding out about the minutia of pickups for 30 minutes now. So I guess that the, we're cut from the same cloth in that regard. Yeah. So let's talk about that scanner a little bit. How does that work? Yeah, and uh, this is, again, uh, credit to my mentor, uh, Billy Gibbons. He... Um, he he has some great ideas and he has tried everything the top notch uh, he can choose from the top shelf of product and uh, pedals amps guitars and whatever and he has a great ear for great sound as well so i'm blessed i'm so thankful i'm so grateful uh, to to this day that he has been part of my life for the last three decades now and pushed some boundaries uh in my head regarding uh putting ideas how about this how about that uh no nobody has done this and i i take his word upon it okay 
I talk to you in one day. Let me go back to my shop on my shed. <laughs> I will make it happen. <laughs> so he he is the one who put me into this idea to create uh, this specific machine because he love his 1959 Les Paul, known as Pearly Gate uh, guitar. Uh, that is a magnificent special guitar for uh, Billy uh, in all these years and is his cornerstone uh, of the great guitar sound. And he can bring that guitar on tour. He can use it, uh, of course. So he wanted an option where he want the other guitars that are using live on stage to be able to sound exactly the same as his famous 1959 Les Paul. So he told me, uh, and Elwood uh, told me how they were trying to achieve that replicated sound. And they have managed to, to work it out for all these years. But um, I told Billy, how about if I uh, can make this machine and make actually a result where we can scan the whole frequency of the pickups and record and analyze that whole frequency down to exactly the same kind of decibel thing uh, clinically. So, uh, and that's that's what I did. Um, it take, took a couple of years with me and uh, another engineer. We were, I was writing down and schematics and all what I had in my head regarding how I suppose this should be working and stuff. And I reached out to uh, an electric engineer friend of mine and we were spending two years uh, thinking, thinking, and uh, we come up with this machine and it actually worked and I did some tests about it and this machine is able to scan, uh, like I said previously, uh, the whole frequency range uh, from 170 hertz up to 95,000 hertz. Now we're talking about a frequency range where the human ear can't register. But I just want to, when I want to do it, I want to do it properly. So what it does is scan that frequency and it record and give me a, a specific value of decibel on each and every frequency from 170 hertz up to 95,000 hertz. And uh, that that is what it do. So that give me how how much bass, how much treble, how much middle, and how much in between. If you're having a bass frequency that is a bit muscle muffle, if you know what I mean, I can read that. I can see how much decibel is in that frequency. Um, in the treble traps, as we call it, if you're having a very high density of treble in the frequency range, how much decibel are laying in that area and stuff. That is what this machine is doing. So that is exactly giving me what I need to know to make 100% exactly sonically sounding pickups because it record the whole frequency range of that pickup. So do you like pass a signal through the original and then read the output of it? Is that how it works? Or how, how does it physically work? Uh, it's um, Now we come to a point of how much uh, I can tell you about it. <laughs> uh, I'm so, so curious. Yeah, first of all, the, it's one big unit. Uh, where I have a couple of cables connected to the brain, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. But from that unit, I have made uh, a specific uh, scanner, a handheld scanner that you can't buy it anywhere. I have actually made that hand scanner thing. It's, uh, it's a small thing where you don't have to take the pickups out of the guitar. You don't have to unsolder the pickups at all. The you just loosen the string, you put that hand thing scanner on top of the pickups and lay it down there and you hook up two cables and you take one cable from uh, from the uh, brain into a computer and that's how it works oh cool <laughs> so you don't that's have to desoldering cool. anything you don't damage the guitar nothing and it's very handy like that i started first uh the first version of this machine where i made this pocket on the brain itself on the box where you have to take the pickup out and put it on the box and i thought okay if you're going to do <laughs> these expensive historic guitars no we don't want to 
take the pickup out of the guitar. So I modified right. the uh, the whole scanner and I made myself uh, from scratch a handheld scanner that is connected to the brain and the unit itself. So now we don't have to do that. That's awesome. That's so cool. So other than the Pearly Gates, what other guitars have you had the opportunity to scan? Uh, the Beast or Bernie Marsden. Uh, the famous 1959 Les Paul called The Beast. Uh, mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> so I got myself a Beast Collector Choice number eight uh, for the prototype making. And I invited Bernie up to my house. Uh, and he brought the original Beast. And he was standing with his back against me. And I was playing my Collector Choice with a prototype after i scanned them and his original beast i was just swapping back and forth back and forward in a matter of seconds if you know an a b test and when i did a couple of times i asked him which one was the last one i played and he said oh that has to be the original beast nope that was the collector choice number eight with my prototype <laughs> after i scanned your pickups and actually that, that is very interesting because the the pickup itself re- People are talking about the biryothene plastic, uh, the cover of the uh, 59, if you know what I mean, the material, what kind of magnets and all that stuff. Uh, pull pieces, the slugs, it, it need to be the correct era, if you know what I mean, what they used back in the factory at that time, uh, especially the plastic and everything. What I use on these prototypes is what the plastic bobbins are made of today. And the base plate is made of today. The cover is made of today. The pole pieces and the magnets are a special tricky one because I I have chosen a specific cross uh, Alnico magnets that is cross and not linear ones. And uh, I have, they are not 100% charged and they are degaussed a bit, uh, stuff about 70 to 71%. But anyway, the, the material of the pickup itself is the material everyone can buy today. It's not about, it's not the right material what they use on the PAF in 59, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And he actually said that my collector choice with a prototype after I scanned the beast were the original beast guitar. And there you go. That was a very good example that is the winding pattern and how the signal flow through the whole thing. That that is 98% of the sounding of the pickup itself. And the last 2% is the magnets. That's really interesting because I've, I've interviewed a couple pickup makers and they've said very similar things. In fact, there's, there's one guy, uh, Porter Pickups, he's out of Idaho here. He's a good guy. And he was kind of expressing a little bit of frustration with customers who don't understand what you were just talking about. And, you know, he had a guy call in and he's like, hey, are you using the correct, I can't remember what species of wood it was, but like, are you using the correct pine tree species for your bobbin material? And he's just like, that doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Why? It's weird how us, we're talking about all these details and how obsessive we get over these things, but there are things at the end of the day that aren't that important. Like, no, it's more about the look. Yeah. It's more about the look. It's not about how round the cover, uh, the corner of the cover uh, itself. It's not about the plastic or the bobbin. It's all about how the signal flow. Because what you hear with your human ear is the signal and the frequency range. That is what the human ear is registering. It's not registering if the pole pieces are four centimeters or 3.5 centimeters, if you know what I mean. And actually, I have people coming over to me. Yeah, I can hear the difference between three-ply picard and one-ply picard. Are you serious? <laughs> if like I was candy? able to hear... If if I was able to hear that difference, I've... Oh, my God, what, what else would I hear, if you know what I mean? <laughs> Walking around in the streets. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to hear all of that. No, <laughs> <laughs> you'd go insane you'd go it's me and jack insane. nicholson on the hotel all over again <laughs> that's right <laughs> so so you mentioned before we hopped on the recording that you had a story for me you had a store a weird story that you hadn't told anyone else and you know i'm i'm here for weird stories i love weird stories what's the weird story yeah here's the thing 
first of all, uh, the, it's very weird because uh, Billy finally invited me over to Texas to scan uh, his uh, fifth analyst poll known as Pearly Gates. Uh, and this were in uh, February last year, just before the pandemic. Actually, the pandemic were on the news regarding China and Wuhan when I was going over to Texas to do this. And I talked to my friend and I said, oh my God, now is the opportunity to go over and do this. Finally, finally, if you know what I mean. And it's such a big deal because Pearly Gate is, and Billy is the cornerstone, is my mentor Billy and the Pearly Gate and that guitar sound is why I'm here, if you know what I mean. So right. that that has been the number one on my bucket list, if you know, to actually be able to work with that guitar seat up front <laughs> or just being able to scan it. So I was very worried because, of course, you have the volcano thing in Iceland years ago that were uh, damaging one opportunity that I actually had so I can go to the States and do this. Of course, that was the break deal for me and I can go over and do it at that time. And now finally, we have a second option here. And now we're reading about this horrible pandemic that is spreading all over Europe and probably this. And I said to my friend, oh my God, now we have this. This will be the stopper for me and not being let, letting me go over. And we, okay, let's see how it goes. And it was one day before we were going on a flight here in uh, London from Heathrow on over. And yeah, we were good to go. And um, we were uh, finally getting over to Texas. And uh, I was doing this thing and uh, spent a lovely four days with Billy in Texas. And uh, Billy said, okay, we have three days. Uh, when you are getting home, the week after I was, was supposed to be back in the UK, I was supposed to be in the UK on, thurs on Thursday. And the week after were the rehearsal for the Mick Fleetwood and Friends gig. And Billy wanted me to come down there the week after. So I only had three, four days break uh, with Billy before we were doing that. But anyway, so the flight back, we're on Wednesday. We were supposed to go back. And uh, me and my friend who uh, followed me, uh, a couple uh, followed me over to the States and uh, followed me back uh, doing this. He, I need some help to carry all the gear that I was bringing along as well. So, <laughs> right. So, right. so anyway, we, we were scanning Pearly Gate and it was, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I, I can't say these words because it's a public uh, radio thing. So, but anyway, um, beep. Uh, regarding the experience of actually see Pearly Gate up front and be able to play it. Billy handed me the Pearly Gate. I played the Pearly Gate, strum it. I, I was in heaven. I was shaking. I was so nervous, but a big dream come true. Done. On Wednesday, we were going on, out to the airport to fly back. And we were uh, sitting in the bar there and I was of nachos and uh, stuff. And we were at the Houston airport. And we were going to the gate. And I told my friend, hey, look out there. I looked at a British Airways plane, and one of the engine's panels were taking off and laying on the ground. And it took about <laughs> one hour, and they said on the speaker, uh, yeah, sorry to inform you, but uh, you, the flight, blah, 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 is delayed for five hours. We are having some engine problem. <laughs> we are trying oh, to no. fix it. And, we have, uh, and I told my friend, uh, I'm not sure I want to take that flight back home, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure. I remember sitting there for <clears throat> seven, eight, nine hours, and uh, we get a new update, and they said, uh, we uh, the flight will be canceled today. Uh, we have ordered new parts for the engine that will come. We'll fly down from Dallas, and I will try to fix the engine tomorrow. And I told my friend, Hey, where are we? Uh, the Okay, we are in Houston. You have the NASA thing. Houston, we got a problem thing, if you don't mind. So I told my friend, hey, we are in Houston. The rocket science is here. <laughs> so, so they should be able to fix it. So anyway, so we went down. Uh, we had to go out in the terminal to get our luggage. And we were going to the luggage band where, uh, where we dropped the luggage. But it, it was now reversed, of course. There were 
supposed to put all the luggage onto the van so we can get that out and go to the buses and go down to Houston downtown and get into another hotel. But anyway, so we went down there. And the first band that we were expecting to get a luggage, everyone went to this circle with a luggage band. Nothing came out. And all of a sudden, that <laughs> that band broke down. <laughs> no way. Yeah. And then we were told after one hour standing there, we had to go to another area of the terminal for another band that were trying to reroute the luggage to another part and get it out there. Okay, so we went over there, standing there for 45 minutes. Two bags came out and the fuck, uh, sorry, the thing broke down again. <laughs> now, this, now keep in mind, I'm assuming the luggage that you're waiting for doesn't just have your clothes and your, your stuff on it. It has the information that you just recorded from the Pearly yeah. Gates guitar. Yeah, it has yeah, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then after one hour, they, they were trying to get the band rolling and pe people were actually walking on the band through the wall and uh, if you know what I mean, through uh, on the band uh, to the next room inside back there and try to get the bags through <laughs> and they, they didn't work out. So they were on the, the radio and talking to people. So they had... <laughs> They had to get this uh, transport. You know this uh, small truck with a trailer where you have all this luggage in. If you know what I mean, these trailers behind uh, driving into the flight, and yeah. So they have to get that unload everything from the terminal outside on the railway again onto these these transportation, the luggage transportation cars with the trailers, and we have mm -hmm. to go outside. So they have to drive around. And through the gate at the airport and get all the luggage out in the streets, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So we have to stand outside the terminal in the street to get our luggage and everything. Um, okay, so when we went to the hotel, we get a new hotel and everything, and there was some trouble with the rooms and stuff. We didn't get a room that we were, yeah. so the whole thing were a big, big mess. But anyway, we we get the whole thing. And the next day, uh, Thursday, we were traveling back to the airport, uh, and we came into the same bar, <laughs> and the, the guy, the bartender, <laughs> he saw us again. Uh, he, he thought he has eaten something that he, <laughs> he, he shouldn't, <laughs> because he was having a big deja vu. Here's the two guys. You were supposed to leave yesterday, and you're coming back today. So it was a bit weird, but, but uh, we, told, we told him that, uh, that we have to uh, the can flight were canceled. I managed to go and blah blah. And all of a sudden, we managed after a couple of hours to get on the flight, and uh, we fly back to UK. And I was so tired of the whole thing. I just want to be back home. I want to make these pickups and everything. And there was some trouble, of course, on Heathrow. So we were circling on uh, above Heathrow for two and a half hours before we could land. And when we landed finally, <laughs> after wow. this, when we finally landed, and we were supposed to go to the gate, and the flight, the plane stopped again. And after 45 minutes, the captain said, um, the gate that we were supposed to go to has broken down. <laughs> what? This is a so, cursed journey. <laughs> listen, listen that, that is the whole thing here. That you are you're you're getting the picture. You're getting the picture. So we have to wait another one hour until they sorted out a bus to come to the to the plane where we were standing on the railway so we could get out and get on that one. Okay, so finally we're getting out of that. And I had to catch a train from London uh up to um up to Liverpool here. You never know what. That train line were cancelled. No, what? Yeah. <laughs> what is going on? What is going on? Yeah, so I had to book a cab, and that probably cost me £600 or something to get a cab uh, to get me out of London up north somewhere. So I had to take another train for somewhere else. And I was in the middle <laughs> of that journey. My phone broke down. <laughs> what? Yeah. Your phone broke. 
Just it just stopped working all completely of a sudden. Died, completely died. Completely died. The battery, everything. I took the took it into a shop. So him here in UK and Liverpool. So I'm. I had to buy myself a new phone because all my photos, I have the pictures, even pictures Billy took of the whole process. He sent that to me on my phone with the airdrop thing. So everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I was so stressed. I lost all this important stuff, the documentation, everything on my phone. So I went into this shop and I get myself a new phone and he were able to transfer the whole thing over. But on Friday, Late night Friday, I entered my house. I was just drained, and I was. Uh, and Billy texted me and asked if everything were okay. Do I see you next week in London? And uh, I didn't want to tell Billy about this, but I told him when I went back to London to meet him regarding the Mick Fleetwood and friends. But to be honest with you, Blake, there's so much more going on with Pearly. If Pearly made some kind of a curse or put some curse on me. I don't <laughs> it's very strange to think about all this stuff broke down. It was I'm just glad I make it back home, made it back, if you know I mean it was so strange. The whole thing was so I have never experienced that stuff. Uh I'm not into supernatural thing. Uh I haven't experienced that stuff, but this was so weird. It, everything that could broke down, it actually broke down on the the trip home. That is insane. That is one of the worst travel stories that I've ever heard. It, there's no, but it, it's just one thing after another. It, everything going wrong, I'm, and even down to like the hotel not being ready for you. You know, like uh, like come on, please, please, just give me a break. You'd have been so yeah. tired when you got home. So uh, me and Billy talked about it. Hmm, are you sure Pearly did want you to go home? She probably wanted you to be here <laughs> or something. <laughs> I were joking about it, but to be honest, it was a horrible thing. If but I never, like I told you, I never experienced this before uh, ever. And uh, if I I've read all about these stories about Billy and Pearly Gates, if you know what I mean. And if I think back to the stories I read in a guitar player in the 70s and the 80s and up through all these years and the interview Billy have done regarding that guitar, I actually start to think there's something more going on with that guitar. That, <laughs> if you know what I mean, this is... There's there's something I have no I, I can't put my finger on finger on it but uh, anyway I made it back uh, and everything went good but uh, it's unbelievable I, I I it's very hard for I have a witness because he was part of the trip so and actually so British Airways uh, is a part of it I email them about this and I have it on the email about what happened as well I just people won't believe me so but anyway i have documentation on that as well because that was just crazy but it, but it was worth it if you know what i mean it was horrible trip back i made it back but uh if i had to go through all that i would do it 10 times again just to be with the, that guitar <laughs> i hear you man that's unreal that's unreal but i'm glad it all worked out you got your information i was really worried that you were going to tell me like and then the computer was broken in half and all of that data was gone. Like I was just like, no, please don't tell me that that happened. I knew you eventually got it because obviously you've, you've been building these, but I was like, I, I made was just waiting. 10, <laughs> I made 10 packets of USB sticks at the hotel before we packed the luggage and went home. <laughs> nice. That is a good plan. That is a very good plan. USB you sticks are cheap. Yeah. And you never know what's around the next corner as well. <laughs> Exactly. Well, man, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on. We are nearing the end of the episode, and I have a couple final questions that I ask every guest before we sign off. But before I do that, I like to give the guests an opportunity to put up a billboard. You know, you can say whatever you want to say. If you want to, you know, tell your, you know, first cousin that he's awesome. Uh, if you want to plug something, anything you want to do, get it out there in front of a few thousand people. Now's the time to do it before we dive into the final questions. Um, I just want to tell everyone that I'm thankful for all the positive feedback we get from customers. Uh, I will send my big grateful thanks to Elvis Francis, uh, Billy Gibbons, uh, Steve Pryor, uh, Mick Fleetwood, 
John Mayall, Johnny Lang, Craig Ross, Lenny Kravitz, and to, if I forgot any names, <laughs> I, I probably have now. I, there are so many out there, but thank you all for um, being a part of this Joe Ride. And uh, the Joe Ride is not over yet. We have plenty of years ahead of us, and uh, it will be even more fun to be on this ride as well. Thank you, everyone. Very nice. Very nice. That's perfect. Okay, this next question is, is it's turned out to be pretty easy for most people, but I'll be curious to hear what, what your take on it is. What is your favorite boss pedal? That is actually the EQ pedal. Okay. You're not the first person to say that, the EQ pedal. It's bulletproof. It does the job. It's a good choice, the EQ pedal. Yep. I like it. Very nice. All right, now this one gets a little more controversial. This one is where families have split up over this. You know, friendships have been ruined, and I uh, want you to take your time with this. But what is your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, here we go again. Someone like the nuns and someone like the monks. No, um... <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad one. But anyway... Um... Favorite pizza? I know, my it's a big one. The salmon. Salmon. I make, uh, when I have time, I actually enjoy to make myself my homemade pizza with salmon and uh, bits of vegetables on. Uh, smoked salmon is the best one. I did not see that coming. I think that's the first time I've had that answer, and I can support it. I love smoked salmon. I'm a huge yeah. fan. Try that what on pizza. Put... It's so good. What all do you put on it? Like, what kind of sauce goes on that? Tomato sauce is really good. And if you have some tomato sauce with uh, this green, um, oh, what is the word in uh, English for that one? Uh, basilicum thing. Uh, tomato with basilicum. If you know what that is. I don't. I don't know that oh. one. Basilicum. What is it? Basil. The pesto? Is that the... the uh... The English version? I'm not sure. Uh, Basil. Basil. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely yep. know what that is. Yep, that's yep. a staple. Tomato sauce with okay. some basil in, that's you're mm -hmm. good to go. All right. And do you, you do cheese on it, or you just put the smoked salmon and the tomato sauce and call it a day? Some jalapeno. No, uh, this mozzarella. This mozzarella, if you... Uh, Use this rasp. You know this rasp thing? If you're taking cheese, you want the small pieces of cheese, the metal yep. thing. Yeah. Yep. If you use that and you just, yeah, so some light, light dust of, it, of that mozzarella uh, about it, that is. Don't take big slices. Don't, don't overdo it. No. You just want a small okay. taste of the mozzarella oast. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a real treat, uh, getting all these stories and hearing about your experiences. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Of course. Of course. We'll stay in touch. All right, everybody. For Thomas, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me today. That was a lot of fun, don't you think? And there's more. If you would like more conversations with Thomas, and he has a pretty epic Rolling Stones story, you can get that over on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can help support this show and also get extra content delivered right to your ears every week. So yeah, there are so many hours of content over there on the Patreon feed, and it helps me out tremendously. Literally, quite literally, helps keep the lights on. So thank you, everyone who is supporting over there. And if you can't, I understand. Things are kind of weird. Please tell a friend. Tell somebody you know. Share it in a group. Anybody you think might like this show. The downloads are what keeps it going. So thank you so much for everybody that has turned their friends onto it. And thank you for listening. There's going to be some pretty great bonus material coming up uh, that will also be exclusive to the patron folks first yes first uh, i had to check my calendar real quick but uh 
it might uh, eventually trickle its way to the main feed, much like the episode right before this, which you will definitely want to check out. That is a special one with myself, Mr. Brian Fallon, and Chris Benson. If you haven't already listened to that, do yourself a favor and check it out. It is a lot of fun. It's a little bit of a different format than what I usually do, but man, it's a good time. Okay, that's enough. You've got other shows to listen to. You've got things to do. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Talk to you real soon. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is ToneMob.com Stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.